My father gave me some very bad advice growing up, and it's going to sound like good advice when I say it, but now that I'm in my 40s, I know it's bad. He said, Michael, always give 100%. He said, you can't go wrong if you always give 100%. That, my friends, is false. If you give 100% at all times, you will end up in a mental institution. But you have to try sometimes. So what I do now is when I walk into a situation, I check my cell phone. Whatever percentage my battery is at, that's how much effort I give. Tonight they were like, Mike, this crowd deserves 100%. I said 37% is what they're gonna get. Unless somebody has a charger. Hi, I'm Alan Altman. And I'm Dave Juskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. Billy Joel, he wrote so many songs. Some fast, some slow, and some go on too long. All the hits and hidden gems, even the turds, it ends at Z, not A. With your friends, Elon and Dave. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Billy Joel A to Z. Today, we are talking with another comedian we found along our journey who loves Billy Joel the way we all do. You're already familiar with his comic greatness as he was kind enough to appear on our Billy Joel watch party several months ago. Besides that resume-building tidbits <laughs> he has also appeared on the tonight show multiple times including being the first comic asked back after the pandemic he has appeared in the movie the king of staten island and the tv series inside amy schumer his podcast is entitled macaroni rascals which is a, a podcast about two italian boys celebrating their background and respecting their mothers very reminiscent of one william joel who seems to not be able to stop writing songs about his mother although i'm not sure if i'd call laura respectful but that all being said, he will be appearing at Hilarities in Cleveland, Ohio on April 15th and 16th, which is an hour away from where he grew up in a town known as Youngstown, Ohio. <laughs> That's like playing the garden for Billy Joel. Uh, you can helicopter back to where you grew up after. Anyway, uh, he'll also be in Nashville, Tennessee, where all our guests seem to end up sooner or later on April 18th and 19th, and lots of other places our listeners can go see him. Uh, please welcome a friend of the podcast, Mike Vecchione, everybody. Hello, Mike. Thank you guys for having me. It's You're welcome. Yeah, That's a great intro. Thank you. Well, you ruined it by your phone ringing, but it's okay. We'll just let that slide. I, I can cut it in post, which I can't. You're a popular guy. I thought everybody knows you sleep until noon usually. So this is uh, who, uh, who called? Who had the nerve? Usually I don't sleep until noon, but I could not sleep last night. I had a bad something. Couldn't get it. Couldn't get it sleep. Well, I, I, I had trouble sleeping because I went to the Nets game and I had uh, buffalo bites, French fries with barbecue sauce and relish, uh, a chicken parm sandwich. Wow. A popcorn and ice cream sundae and a soda and then two Johnny Walker Blacks. Oh my and I had god! Diarrhea. Sorry, There's no was... correlation. I don't think the diarrhea had anything to do with that. <laughs> yeah, that was just nerves. Are you trying to eat all fried foods? <laughs> that's that's what I do. That's the way I'm trying to kill myself. That's the way you know Billy Joel did it with uh, ammonia. I'm doing it the opposite way. 
it's like that ocean cleanup project where like some big tanker is cleaning up all the plastic in the ocean so that for the fish, they can all survive. So Dave is cleaning up all the fried food himself. I'm doing it, it all in. I'm doing it as a favor for everybody else. You had to be a big shot, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, I couldn't keep it to myself. I think is it, did I get the line wrong? Do I get um? Do I get money if I uh, do different Billy Joel songs for uh, as comments? If you no. can get 10, 10 of them into the episode, you'll get ten bucks. Okay. Well, let me. Um, yeah, but it looks like you're looking at your phone for that's not fair. <laughs> well, I'm, yeah, I want to look at all the Billy Joel songs. I forget well, a lot. Mike, that's the funny thing. I when I asked you to do the when we asked you to do the the watch party thing, I didn't even know you were a fan of Billy Joel. I wasn't yeah. sure. We just never right. had spoken about it before. It's the way we found out Gary Goldman was a fan. We, we were down at the cellar. It was my birthday and he came and we told him what we were doing. And he goes, oh, my God, I love Billy Joel. I don't even do podcasts, but I'll do a podcast to talk about Billy Joel. All right. We found out his favorite song was we were just finishing, which was Goodnight Saigon, which was one of the strangest favorite songs of somebody, I think, <laughs> Billy Joel. But how, how did you get to like Billy Joel? Well, it starts off because Anthony works at the grocery store. <laughs> That's two. I'm going to put a bell. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I think I bought Piano Man when I was like, that's like the, one of the first tapes I bought. Oh. Like uh, in like, it was like 1980. Piano Man. Is that why correct? Like why Piano Man in the sense of since, you know, that was a Glass Houses year. Why did you start with the back? How did you, how were you so have the wherewithal to start early on? I think it was premeditated. I thought Piano Man, Piano Man came out in 80. No, it came out in 73. That's why I was asking. Oh, wow. I don't know. I just, uh, I thought stumbled on it and I bought it and, uh, it's been a wild ride ever since. I love Billy Joel. That's so cool. So you started with Piano Man, even though, you know, you're much uh, younger. Uh, is it, do you think it's because you may be on the radio heard, like it's still rock and roll to me or something, or do you think you were, in the day at the record store and that cover was so eerie and interesting with his eyes. That's probably why the cover the covers were a big thing. The albums going, going to the record store, buying a tape. I mean, it was just making the transitions from like in the early eighties from, from albums to tapes. So you so bought it on cassette tape. Anything. You didn't yeah. buy it at a track, right? No. A <laughs> tracks were this, before I could buy anything, that was the seventy. I remember my 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 parents having an eight track player in their car. That's what I got for my bar mitzvah, a stereo with an eight. I'm like, well, just make sure it has an eight track tape player because those are going to be around forever. <laughs> <laughs> and we could record on the eight track player, so I used to make these little radio shows. Like, uh, you know, I could make recordings on the eight track. It was so. And now, you know, where can you play those? I mean, I don't even think it's not, it's not like VHS tapes where you can go to a facility and they might be able to digitize it. Yeah. I don't think anyone could do that for an eight track tape. Like, no, come on. We I, want to hear your back catalog, Dave. <laughs> it's it was just possible. It was me singing songs from my fair lady. <laughs> Why can't the English teach their children how to speak? Norwegians learn Norwegian. The Greeks have taught their Greek. <laughs> what Billy Joel song is that? It's not. I wish I was kidding. I was obsessed with uh, Rex Harris. And I think just because of that half singing and half talking, I'm like, well, anybody could be a Broadway star if they're going to do it that way. That's a pretty great way to go through life. Just in general, half singing, half talking. That's pretty much my existence. 
<laughs> if I could talk to the animals, learn their languages, maybe take an animal decree. It goes back and forth. It's uh, the guy was a genius. <laughs> it's a pretty, it is pretty great way to communicate. It's really upbeat. He can't be in a bad mood. Won a goddamn best actor Oscar for that shit. And he's chic. I can't even sing. <laughs> it's amazing. He scammed us. But yeah, so going to a record store right. and looking at albums was the best. Um, what, what, I can't remember what song was on the radio. What, uh, Billy Joel's song it was like 79 or 80. It's like, what's the matter with the car I'm driving? Yeah, yeah. I just oh, still, rock, still and rock and roll to me. I just okay. said that. I just said that, you idiot. I just okay. said, were you oh, listening right. to it? Still rock and roll to me on the radio. Well, I don't think that Billy Joel likes name calling. I'll just <laughs> go out on a limb. I don't think he's a, from his music. I don't think he's a name caller. But um, yeah, still rock and roll was like breaking big. Yeah. So I yeah, don't know. That's what I figured. I guess I did go back to Piano Man because it was that. And I, I remember the other one was, um, and this is totally unrelated to Billy Joel, but uh, another um, Ozzy Osbourne, Blizzard of Oz. Sure. You know, that was like 1980. Yeah, but you had a pretty wide range there, your two albums that you got. Yeah. Well, I didn't know what it, like, my my aunt took me, my aunt did a special thing where, and, and she was like, I think it's jazz. Like, she didn't know. She's like, I think it might be jazz. I'm like, really? It's jazz? I don't know. I didn't know anything about music. I was like eight. Yeah. Jazzy Osborne. Jazzy Osborne. <laughs> That's interesting. That's the way I figured it was like, I know you were like eight, but it's, You've heard it's still rock and roll on the radio. And yes. then you just were looking at the Billy Joel section and right. you're probably like, well, this album looks cool. I'm sure you weren't thinking like, oh, let me start off with his back catalog. <laughs> <laughs> but there is something about that album cover. If I were to see it in the store, if you're buying Ozzy Osbourne and Billy Joel, I would have bought Piano Man, too, because of the cover. Because right. it looks creepy and scary and then it's yeah. completely not. It's the exact opposite of Ozzy Osbourne in that sense. Yeah. And he's the voice of the working class, I guess. I guess that's why he's so big in like Long Island. He's the he's a blue collar voice, right? Isn't that right? No, he's more like a what we say along the middle class. Uh, yeah, a little more middle class. Springsteen is the working class. And and Billy Joel is more like somebody who grows up in, you know, Youngstown, you know, or I don't know what Youngstown's like. Is that more of a working class town? It's it used to be. It's it's now it's a, a abandoned town. It's like a, it's a typical Rust Belt city. You know what I mean? It's just like kind of over there. You know what I mean? It's like kind of getting sm- not over. I, I don't want to disrespect the people of Youngstown. They're great people. But uh, it's like it's getting smaller, in other mm-hmm. words. So would like the song Allentown have really resonated with Youngstown people? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, Allentown. Um, like Springsteen, Mellencamp, like these are all they're 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 basically singing our uh, struggle. Yeah, Culture right. Club, Tiny Tim, and I think it, I think it, <laughs> I think it does go in that order. Mellencamp is for like you know the the farmers and yeah. the like really really poor. I think, and Springsteen is the working class you know that works in like a a, a Jersey or or somewhere closer to a major city, and then Billy Joel is a little for the higher up right you know where you you actually live in a house and you have a job maybe in yeah. manhattan <laughs> maybe like you, you're talking billy joel's like the ups worker the amazon <laughs> or or is maybe maybe more the fedex guy oh, okay <laughs> upscale yeah he doesn't even need to long leave long island now right he could just do concerts and just sells out everything he helicopters to manhattan that's awesome have you ever seen any of the msg shows Mm-mm. 
Yeah, me neither. Alon went to one, he said, right? Yeah, I went to one in 2019. Try to go to another one soon. Hopefully Dave and I will get backstage. We'll do whatever it takes. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever it takes. I don't know how you guys take this podcast, but it's like, what's going on with Billy Joel's personal life now? Well, no, we talk professional only. How dare you bring okay, up right. personal No, life? no, no. How dare kidding. you? No, we we found out he's married again, which yeah. we didn't know until we started doing the podcast. Right, Alon? I don't. That's how bad we are as Billy Joel fans. We didn't know he was married. He has two other children. It's not even like a brand new marriage. Like he's been married to this lady for like seven years already. But we just found it out like three months ago. <laughs> well, because it's not Christy Brinkley or right. even that Katie Lee, who was a TV star, like a cooking star. So it's just some random woman that we don't know. We didn't know. And then he's got these two kids, one who's adorable. What is her name? Della Della Reese, is it? Della Rose. <laughs> oh, Della Reese is that black actress from the uh, 60s. Right? By an angel. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, Della Rose. And um, when we did the watch party show, we were showing her favorite song is Don't Ask Me Why. And he bought her on stage when she's four. The cutest thing you've ever seen. Wow. And he's waiting for her to sing. He gives her the microphone and he just sings and she's just waiting to sing, but she never does. And it's right. really cute. Yeah, that's yeah. Like a new thing, I think. I think that's a new with TikTok and everything. I think it's like you sing and then give the mic to somebody else who doesn't sing. They become a star. <laughs> I know. <laughs> a new genre. I think it's a new genre that he just invented. You might be right. You may be right. Still rock and roll to me is a great song. Like this guy is just a, I mean, everybody knows it. I mean, I'm sure that's why you have a podcast about it, but just the um it, he's just a hit machine man he's just a hit machine i and, and it's so hard to get one hit and for this guy to put out as many hits it's just you know who else i really love and this is a pivot from what you guys are talking about manalo oh me too manalo is just i mean one of the greatest mike i, went I hate to, to take it down a notch no no i went we talk about manalo all the time because um i believe one of the songs we were talking about, I guess, on 52nd Street never made it to like the top because Copacabana was too strong on the charts oh. to topple. Yeah. But uh, apparently Barry Manilow is working on a Broadway show now, which, of course, makes the most sense on the planet. Right. And we were just talking about Manilow in another podcast, right, Alon? Because I was talking about his special uh, one of his television specials where he was like very upset that he had to do it. For oh, yeah. Morning. He didn't want to do anything. He didn't want to meet his fans. It was one of those kind of situations. No, well, not oh, like yeah. that, but I saw him live recently, like, I don't know, five to seven years ago at the Prudential Center. And my cousin owns the place, so his parents couldn't make it. So they gave us first row tickets. Wow. And we were like, do you guys want it? And I'm like, oh, my God. We, I mean, uh, <clears throat> yeah, that'd be cool. Uh, you know, because uh, <laughs> I was like so excited about it. And my sister and I went and we had the best time. The only thing I was upset about was at one point he did a medley of the songs. Uh, I always want to hear Ready to Take a Chance again. And he did it in a medley and I was furious. Uh-huh. Other than that, he was brilliant. Did he do any new material? Do these guys do any new material? Billy Joel, Manilow, do they do new new stuff? 
Billy does nothing new. He has to play like 20 of the hits that everyone expects. And then he yeah. has room for maybe three or four songs that are a little bit rarer that he peppers in. Wow. Yeah. So on this podcast, we find a lot of unreleased tracks. So they are new, which, of course, he could do in concert if he chose to. But he it's funny that after all that, as a musician, you wouldn't want to try one new song. He says he has all these songs written and he has all these new songs. Yeah. It's kind of weird to perform once a month, especially being comics, and not want to try one new joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once. I mean, it's like it. it's so simple. The crowd's going to, first of all, they would be livid with excitement. Right. And it would be worth the price of admission because the guy hasn't done a new song in 40 years. <laughs> but then even if it was bad, you then you go into scenes from an Italian restaurant, nobody's going to remember. <laughs> Yeah, it's very odd for somebody to not want to do another song. Well, maybe he looks at it like a job now. I'm not sure how he looks at it. Just go goes in and and gives gives people what they want, and then and then that's it. I don't know, but you're right. It is just not experiment anymore because yeah. he did. You know, we didn't start the fire, which is kind of like a rap. You know, it, it, it seemed like he was. I mean, I guess that was '89, '88, something like that. But it seemed he was like right on the cutting edge of like, oh, what's what's happening? That's before rap. Like that's when rap was taking off. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, let me let me dabble in some of this. He seems like he had that curiosity back then. He did, because there's some shows from the early 90s where whenever he would sing Big Shot, he'd put his hat backwards and start singing it like he was rapping. And it's the most cringeworthy thing. For real? <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. Oh, my God. That is so nice. you can imagine if he kept his career going, what kind of strange things he would have put out. <laughs> Well, we always wonder, I mean, if you're talking about we didn't start the fire, how are you not? I mean, the guy's just sitting around all the time. Right. And let's just say we know he fishes. So how much time does he have then? Lots. Right. He's just sitting around. Why isn't he making a we didn't start the fire too? Why not change the lyrics to reflect, you know, the past 10 years or, you know, just once in a concert? It's he just is lazy and he doesn't care. He, he likes yeah. to get drunk. You got to respect it. <laughs> <laughs> well, at the end of the day, I think Sinatra said it best. At the end of the day, I'm just a lounge singer. So maybe that's yeah. the way he feels about it. I'm just a lounge singer at the end of the day who struck it big. But I'm just in awe of these. I'm in, in awe of him. How many hits that he, he put out. It's just unbelievable, man. And so good. Like the songs are so good. And so many of them, it's like that guy. It's just yeah. So weird. let's say he has uh, ten to twelve albums. I can't remember how many exactly, but every album has at least one. But most of the albums have three or four. Right. And if you take an innocent man, and I'm just saying, at the time that was at the time when they were making albums, and you had to have six or seven hits off one. You know, we're talking about. Thriller and even Def Leppard and, you know, Brian Adams, all those people that had one album come out and they had like six or seven releases from it, that he was able to do that with an innocent man. I think it had six or seven, you know, hits, which means he was following the trend, too. So yeah. it, that's I think that also kept him relevant then, even though he was a 70s artist. Yeah, he's uh, he's unbelievable. There's. There's something about his songwriting that must be, you know, dialed in, dialed into the um, to to the public. It's 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 something in the songwriting. I think. I mean, he's a very talented singer, whatever. I mean, he is. But it's like 
there must be something in the songwriting, something. I, I don't know the dynamics of songwriting, like the chorus and the, the hook, whatever. But like, I mean, just mastered it. Yeah, he's able to hear what's popular and break it down into its elements and then create right. a better version of it, basically. So right. like when New Wave was coming out, you know, then he his stepson was listening to that. So he was like, oh, I'm going to make an album like that. And then he does Glass Houses. So he's just able to keep reinventing himself that way. It's like a comic who's like seeing whatever the new alt comics are doing and they're able right. to just figure out the formula of those jokes and change their set that way. Yeah, like Dennis Miller becoming a you know Republican comic. <laughs> kind of like that. <laughs> but no, I mean, it's got to be something. It's I think it's more than just formula, because if it was something that formulaic, it would be it would be it wouldn't be transcendent the way that it is. So it's got to be more than just formulaic. It's got to be something where it's almost hypnotic or subcon like where he's dialing into something that that I don't know. He's got the know. secret sauce. He knows what it is. So he knows he the knows formula and he's got this so. special talent that other yeah. people don't have. Right, 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 right. I think that maybe that's what it is, a combination of, of those It really things. is unbelievable. Songs are not all similar. They're not all the same. It's like not every song sounds the same. Like he can diversify and, and, and still like figures it out. You know, it's pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah, he could have written for other people and you would never have known it was a, a Billy Joel kind of song. It's, it is right. fascinating. His diversity, like you said, uh, it is, it's, it's damn impressive. You're absolutely right. There is there, sometimes is. we forget. I mean, obviously we don't, we talk about it all the time. Um, there's an unreleased track that we were talking about in the ends, uh, just on our wrap up called numbers. Alon, I was, it was going through my head today. I was singing it as I was walking out the door. I mean, it's, it's nobody's ever heard it. It's not on any album. And it was that catchy for me. I, I think I oversold it in the in the wrap up, but for me, it was uh, I was singing it in my head. It's unreleased. Yeah. I mean, it's that's how good he is at. That's how catchiness. good he is. That's what I'm talking about. It's something yeah. hypnotic. He must have studied hypnotism, and he gets into your brain. <laughs> gets into your brain. He studied hypnotism. He's done it. It's it, it's like that movie. Uh, what, what the one and only with Henry Winkler when he plays a wrestler. And they're yelling at it because I think he's playing a hypnotist, and the and the people in the crowd are yelling, "It's no fair! He's a hypnotist!" And he, <laughs> so he's pretending to be a hypnotist, and the crowd's going crazy. It's no fair! He's cheating! He's a hypnotist. <laughs> and Mike, weren't you a wrestler in school? I was, but I can I say uh, Henry Winkler is a massively underrated actor. He's fantastic. Correcto mundo. He's no, like a no, classically no. trained, like you know, whatever guy. Oh, he's the best, and that's why I was so glad he's in Barry, and people are. Yeah, recognizing that now he's on unreal and it's been unreal for a long time, I think. But yes, Elon, to your question, I did wrestle. Was it hard going from wrestling into the arts, you know, becoming a comic where your jock friends like because Billy Joel had the same thing. He was a boxer and then all of a sudden he's like a musician. Well, it's kind of the same thing. I find that people in stand up who come from um, sports that are individual sports or maybe if you play a musical instrument, whatever it doesn't. But if you do an individual thing. Like wrestling is an individual sport. Tennis is an individual sport. A lot of, a lot of people transition to stand up because it's kind of like similar. There's a similar vibe to it. Like I'm going to go oh, perform. I'm going to go compete. It's just me and the audience. It's you know, it's that uh, analogy. So I think it trans. I think it translates pretty well. He's a he boxer. Was he? Was he good? I think he had gold gloves, didn't he? He definitely has a busted nose. So you know, he was in the ring a lot. Is he Jewish or Italian? Is he both? He's Jewish, but he tells people he's Italian. <laughs> it's a smart move. We all did that in the 80s and the 70s because uh, we didn't want any trouble. It's so funny. I used to do that, too. 
I don't know. I guess uh, you know you could tell everybody the truth, but definitely we're covering it up. I think, I think that close to the Holocaust, people were afraid to say uh, you know anything. I remember being being on stage, you know, multiple times in the '80s, where people would just be like, "Oh, this guy's Jewish." I could hear it in the audience. <laughs> terrifying, you know. Yeah, we, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do a lot. Of, then you know, like John Stewart was sitting there and he was doing Jewish jokes, and I'm like, "Boy, this guy's got balls." I would never talk about it. Really? Yeah. So I know where he's coming from with Billy Joel. Like you just, especially, you know, his age, it, it was really close to the, the Holocaust. I mean, that is a thing, you know, I mean, that was only like 20, 15, 20 years ago. You know, you're, uh, there's gotta be a, a, a mental thing about, you know, right. I and, say, and his father's family had to escape Nazi Germany. So yeah. he, it was a very close thing for him. I always yeah. say, uh, John Stewart was the last person to change his name for being too Jewy. And Sarah Silverman was the first person to keep it. <laughs> I would say up until 91 or two, people were changing their name if they were too Jewy. And then I think people are. But wouldn't that help you? I mean, back in the day, like, um, I mean, I think you guys, but doesn't didn't Jewish people, the stereotype was that Jewish people around Hollywood. But I mean, you couldn't be on TV. Ever. But you couldn't be right. on TV? No, it was a problem. I used to get all the time i think we've talked about it on this show the what i would get is they say oh they say you can't play in the midwest which is their code word for saying you're too jewy <laughs> too jewy for youngstown ohio yes apparently so uh yeah that, and so the name wasn't helpful that's why seinfeld was a huge a huge thing that that worked out for you know that's that's wow i didn't see i didn't know that was a thing all the way up to the 90s like that's during my time period i, I didn't see that i just thought that um but you're right. Like the writers, uh, I guess the writers' rooms were all like Jewish, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Remember that uh, legendary uh, Fred Sanford, yeah, thing, right? You know about that, right? right. Where right. he fired, he fired all his writers, hired all black guys for Sanford and Son, yeah. and then uh, after the f first episode written by all the people he wanted in, he goes, "Give me my Jews back." <laughs> <laughs> so what is that? Are you guys are Jewish? What is what is the um? Good. Why? Why are you good writers? I think our parents like instill in us that we have to be, you have to study a lot. You know, whether right. it's in regular school or if you're like a religious Jew, then it's like studying the Talmud and stuff like that. It's always like looking for little but details. For linguistics, because because Asian parents have the thing too, where it's like right. you have to study all the time. But it's like it's, that's that, even it's, worse. You know, the religious studies I think is a big, a big deal. It's like. Um, when you guys study, it's different than uh, being Catholic. We're taught to, um, and it's actually hurts us a lot because the way I was raised anyway, it's you're taught to um, just do what you're told. You shut shut up and do what you're told. And you guys aren't really conditioned that way. It's more of like you're encouraged to question. Which Yeah, is, we try to find loopholes. Like the whole thing of the Talmud is to say like, okay, so the Torah says like, don't eat meat and milk. And then there'll be like 40 pages in the Talmud. Like, well, actually in this one situation, you can maybe do this if it's like this. And it's just constantly trying to find ways around things, which right. I think lends itself to the legal profession. So there's a lot of Jewish lawyers and uh, lawyers have the kind of mind that I think that works for comedy. Oh, that's interesting. That is interesting. I, about that. I, I think that's probably true. But I can tell like I could tell the way I was with the way we were raised. It's like very loving and everything, but it's still like shut down after a while. It's like, all right, dude, just do it. Just just do what you're told. Just shut your mouth and do what you're told. And I have Jewish friends who are like, no, they they keep like question they don't think anything of it they, they're not there's not that thing where it's like you know, shut up shut up and do what you're told 
So but I think despite your upbringing, you're one of the best comedy writers in stand up. Thank you, Elon. I appreciate that. I, I th- when I started, it was only Jews and Italians doing comedy. Yeah. And that's that's how it had always been for a very long time. And then women tried to infiltrate it. What? Ugh, whatever. What? But no, I, I remember my first night. At, well, of course, I was at uh, that place, uh, Pips in Brooklyn. So, of course, it was just Jews and Italians. You know? Yeah. Mostly Italians. They were hilarious. Hilarious. Hey, folks, don't raw eggs smell like farts? We're dying. <laughs> We're dying. Yeah, we do that. We do the... Um, we do the um, below cerebral um, stuff. Well, that's what we're known for. <laughs> well, not you've raised it to a new level. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be the first one. I'm going to be the first uh, uh, grease ball to bring it back. So you're doing a taping on uh, coming up. What's the taping for? The taping is an hour special. It's uh, I've tried to do this uh, multiple times now, but hopefully this one sticks. It's uh it's uh, Nate Bargatze, my friend who's uh, on Netflix. Is we, uh, you guys know him. He's uh, he's directing and producing it. It's a, uh, we're going to shoot it at Zanies. It's an hour special, so that's what it is. That's exciting. Yeah. yeah, really exciting. That's terrific. So you should have your own Netflix special. You're terrific. Thank you, David. Just um, Alan, ask the ultimate question, of course. Oh, yeah. Okay. So ultimate question is uh, you're at Cleveland, April 15th and 16th. Those That's are the two nights. It. Those are the two nights of the Seder for Passover. Why do you want Jews to be in your audience? I do want them to do, but I, here, here's I want them to be in the audience, but I want them to break the rules of their religion. It's also Good Friday that day, too. So that's, you know. Oh, yeah. Good Friday, Holy Saturday, Easter Sunday. That's right. Hell of a weekend. It's but no, what's the. The ultimate question is, what is your favorite Billy Joel song? Um, uh, so it's funny that you didn't have this prepared. I mean, I wasn't sure what you thought we were going to talk about. Uh, what... <laughs> you have to see uh, him wait, scratching wait, his it, head, everybody. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> well, then, let me just ask you this, then. I, I, have, the, got... I have the jingle it, in my head. I just can't think of this song. It's okay. Let me ask you this, then. In 1980, you know, you buy Piano Man. Right. You... you it's it, glass houses is out. You buy piano, man. You listen to the whole thing in its entirety on your cassette. Were you obsessed with the album? And after that, did you buy the next out? Like, did you go to glass house or did you? No, I mean, I was lineage? eight. I was eight. So it didn't really resonate me and resonate with me until I got like a little older Then I got to, like, that was an experimental thing buying it. And then when I got into his, you know, radio plays, we take for granted now how big radio was back then. Like radio was kind of like a thing where, it would play and you would just like you that's how you would get familiar with the songs and then you go oh let me go buy this album it's like you know what i mean so it was wasn't until i got older that i started getting but he was he had like heavy heavy radio play yes and so what was the first album you actually bought as an adult i wasn't big on buying out i don't know how i'm familiar with all of his songs because i don't think i bought like a lot of albums but yet i know all of the I know all, most of the songs, you know, a lot yeah. of the songs. So I can't, I mean, most of my childhood, I think I blacked it out. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember actually going and buying the tapes. I must have. I must have. But uh, I guess in high school, like, uh, and, you know, dubbing was a big thing, too. Back then, if you couldn't afford the tapes, you would, your friend would have the tape, and then you would get a blank tape and then record it. Right. I did probably a bunch of that. Yeah, I did that, too. So, 
And there would always be Billy Joel on a mixtape, too, that somebody would make for you. Yes. Again, we were making mixed eight-track tapes uh, when I was a teenager, and mine was all full of um, uh, My Fair Lady and uh, I think the Parkinson family. I can't remember. <laughs> oh, I know what it was. Sean Cassidy. Not David Cassidy. Just Sean Cassidy. The Do Run Run. What about um, I'm I'm still going my favorite song. Um, oh, what songs do you like of what songs do you like of him besides your favorite? I mean, what don't tell do me like? why? Don't is that don't right? ask me why? Don't ask me why. That's his daughter's favorite song. Yeah, it's my favorite. I have to say that's my favorite. I like the jingle of it. Yeah, I like that. We all like that song. Everybody likes that song. That's like a it's not a hidden the gem. tempo of it is just the tempo of it is great. It, it puts you in a good mood. Most of his songs put you in a pretty good mood. Upbeat. Yeah, they're about yeah. depression, but they put you in a good mood. Yeah. That's what we found while doing the podcast is they are very sad songs, but somehow he finds a way to make you happy about them. We've totally noticed that, and I never thought about that before we started doing this podcast. That's like Allentown great. is a perfect example of one of the most depressing songs right. anybody could ever play, and right. yet you're sitting there like, Woo, this song's awesome. <laughs> No but more it, coal in the ground. Maybe, maybe that's the Jewish thing, though, is taking something um, depressing and sad and flipping it to your advantage, you know? Being it's the true. The alchemist. It's Billy Joel's Jewishness that, uh, <laughs> that comes out. Uh, <laughs> now, smart not to tell how, people how many times have you tried to get him on the podcast? Because this is about him. So it's like, I'm sure you've reached out several times and you've used your Hollywood connections. <laughs> No, we have never tried to get him on the podcast uh, because we we bash him too much. Uh, but we're hoping after Zanzibar. We? All right, I do. <laughs> I'm like this guy. Great first team. of all, he's eating too much. <laughs> yeah, the last episode he on. said he looked like a fisherman. <laughs> you had him on. You asked him one question and go, "Okay, we're out of time." <laughs> Thanks for coming on, Billy. No, we we are, we end up just talking to people that have you know have met him and spent some time with him and stuff like. Our last interview was a guy, uh, Michael Riedel from the New York Post. And, you know, he sat down and had dinner with him. And then we were also talking to, uh, do you know Scott Ackerman? Yeah, I've, I know him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so his partner, uh, not in that way, uh, sat down and ate with him, too. And apparently, I guess that was with Paul Rudd. And he bought his own clams with him to cook, to, gave it to the cook and say can you make these these are the clams i caught today like, wow he, he brings his own food with him <laughs> that's an original He's that's an a original john panette thing that uh <laughs> <would happen. laughs> so do you think billy does he still drink does he still get it in oh yeah alcohol wise oh he definitely drinks yeah He's not I feel like he has it under control a little bit more now. We haven't heard about any drunk driving incidents. For we just haven't years. heard about them. I don't know whether it means he has his drinking under control. I think he I think he loves drinking so much that he's like that. Uh, who's that guy who was on the Saints, Alon, who chose weed over football? Oh, yeah. Ricky, Ricky Williams. Williams. Ricky Williams. That's the Billy Joel is the Ricky Williams of music where he chose <laughs> drinking and pot to performing anymore. You know, what would be a good thing is if Billy Joel uh, just 
you know, this would really be cool for his fans. If he just got a job as an Uber driver in Long Island, <laughs> and then, you know, you call to Uber and Billy Joel just picks you up. Yeah. And, and it would be that like be, that. Like, that would be such people would just have great stories. They would be like, Billy Joel picks me up. And it's better. It's better than that. Do you remember that taxi episode where Jim was trying to be the best cab driver that he yes, could? I he do remember a, that one. And he made a fortune. And you're like, how'd you make all that money? And then they show what he was doing. And he's like, would would you like some music? And they're like, yes, I would. And he starts singing as it hooked up while he's driving. He starts singing like, it's a quarter to three. No one's in the place. And and the guy in the back is like, hey, this is great. (coughs) Welcome aboard Sunshine Cab number 134. My name's Jim Ignatowski. And I'll be your driver. I'd like to go to Carnegie Hall. Carnegie Hall. If uh, you like to listen to a little music, there's a stereo headphone set in the back. We're uh, featuring a Sinatra retrospective this evening. It'll be very nice. If somebody needs... No good unless he needs all the way. That would be Billy Joel. That would be your. That would be like, do you mind if I uh, I could sing one of my tunes for you? Oh great, oh, that'd be terrific. <laughs> does he? Yeah, make, I haven't seen many interviews with him. Does he do? He doesn't do any inter. He doesn't do many interviews, does he? I don't think he does a lot of them. I th- like yeah. I said. I I think he really chose to just be out of everything. Yeah, he comes to the garden. And and again, our guest was telling us the garden is like playing in his living room once a month. It's like doing a podcast. He plays the songs. He talks in between about what he had for dinner. It, 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 it's it's his happy place. The Madison right. Square Garden. Yeah. And then he choppers out and he choppers out. And uh, I'm sure he has a couple of drinks on the plane. Like uh, like I like my after show beer. That's the best. What's better than the after show beer? Nothing. And he loves it more than anybody. <laughs> I think for him, it's an after show bottle of wine. But That's Mike, the- thank you so much for uh, doing the show today. We know how Thanks busy you are. Obviously, you're touring a lot and doing a lot. Do you, when you're on the road, do you listen to a lot of music in general or any Billy Joel? Uh, I try to save it for when I'm uh, working out. I try to get the workout in. I try to, uh, you know, lift. When I lift weights, I do a circuit, a lot of planking. And, um, when I do a circuit, I, I try to do it with no music. And then when I when I do cardio, that's when I put the music on. That's when the Billy Joel concert starts in my head. Is that true? Do you really put on Billy Joel to work out? I have a mix. And Billy Joel is on it, though. Billy Joel's on it. Like is with it some of his more upbeat it? songs. Yeah. Uh, Big Shot is on it. Like the upbeat songs. Yeah. Would Anthony, it be Anthony works at the grocery store? What, well, what, it would be the funny thing is you can picture me working out, but I would totally be listening to Uptown Girl, which I would obviously <laughs> be able to put on my headphones. <laughs> Uptown Girl is if you're doing a Zumba class. Right. For <laughs> some, for me, I'd be going for it with Uptown yes. Girl on the treadmill. Right. Yeah. <laughs> In the gym at a Motel 6. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> where that would happen. <laughs> well, that's where I'm at. That's where I'm working out at. 
Well, Mike Vecchione, our guest this week on Billy Joel A to Z. And like I said, this comes out. I mean, you can listen at any time, but it comes out in just enough time for you to see him in Cleveland, Ohio at Hilarities, April 15th and 16th. And then right after that in Nashville, you can go see his TV taping. I believe there are tickets available for that. Yes. He is TV taping and live in infamy. As he puts Please follow together. me, by the way, at Comic Mike V. I say it after every show now, Comic Mike V on all social media platforms, because I find that I get more followers when I just, after my sal, just say it after the show. And people, even if their phones are locked up, they'll follow me after the show. So that's smart. And Mike's a really great comic. And you should see him because he's really that good and fun. And a lot of people you can't watch for 45 minutes to an hour, but Mike is not one of those people. He's terrific. And he's gotten like since I've known him, he's gotten like better, too, which is all you want out of, you know, being a comedian. You want to have somebody say, you know, since I've met you, you've gotten really terrific. We've known each other for a long time. Attell's always real. David Tell has always realized how great you are. And now you've like really come into your own in a sense where a lot of the comics like Sam Morell and people like that that grew up on David Tell. Right. You know, we're in this Attell kind of funk and it's yeah. fun to watch people grow into their complete own personality and that is completely what you've done and you really are a a fun comic to watch i love your material and i like you as a person as well thanks for doing this thank you buddy thanks dave thanks elon nice to see you guys thanks mike mike vecchione on billy joel a to z from all of our soul way down to zanzibar Still rock and roll Though we don't play no guitar You rank them high, rank them low You may be right, big man on Mulberry Street Here on Billy Joel A to Z